Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we're here in Lawfather headquarters in our little studio setup that we have. I welcome you all back and uh, very glad uh, you continue listening. Saw actually a couple more comments and uh, ratings pop up. So, you know, please, as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I saw one we have, you know, generally pretty good ratings. And uh, I did see one that was uh, not as good, uh, and which I, I welcome. Uh, but, you know, I would ask if there's something that you don't care for, okay, that just shoot me an email, shoot me a text, because you're just leaving a review doesn't help me a lot because it doesn't tell me what what's going on, right? What you see that, that you would like to see better, okay? So, you know, that said, um, we'll get the show started for today. We'll talk about something that is kind of a, a follow-up on something we had talked about previously in terms of with the court process and how it all works. And uh, let's just uh, take a look at the voir dire part of trials, okay? And, uh, you know, could be an interesting piece to look at. So we took it all the way up from how a case gets from A to Z, and we'd be where a complaint has been filed and discovery's been done, and we've mediated the case, and we haven't been able to come to a resolution. So now we're saying that um, now we're saying that we had somebody join live on Instagram, which uh, is probably a bad thing to do as you're you're doing a podcast live because we've never done it before. Um, so it's a little bit noisier than I anticipated. So hey, out there on Instagram, uh, not sure who joined live. I just hit the button as it popped up. But anyway, looking at. Uh, we're in the court process now, and we're at the trial stage. And the very first part of trial is we need to pick a jury. Okay, so once we're at the point of picking or being in trial, picking a jury, it's called voir dire. All right, uh, jury selection. So those of you who are in Hillsborough County, and uh, I'm actually gonna try to end this thing right here. I can't figure out how to end the. Uh, we're going we're gonna to shut down the Instagram live here for a second. I don't know if you heard the I agree. All right, and we're back. Uh, sorry for that, that brief break there. That We'll call it a commercial interruption brought to you by Frankie Injury Law and the Law Father. Okay, small joke there. Sorry, guys. Um, probably bad joke, kind of maybe dad joke-ish. But anyway, um, tried something new with Instagram live. Failed miserably. Um, Apparently, whoever had requested to join live uh, agreed when I said I was going to uh, end the live and restart it. But anyway, um, so as I was saying, the jury selection process is called called voir dire. Now, what does that look like? Those of you who have been through jury selection know, especially in Hillsborough County before COVID, you'd go up and you'd be in this massive room with uh, probably hundreds of people. I, and I've been in that room a couple of times. So... You have all these people and your name gets called, right? Maybe the little dreaded piece of it, my name gets called. Or maybe you're hoping that you get called in the morning, right? And you get out of it and you're gone before lunchtime and you're back on with your day. But anyway, your name gets called, you get assigned to a courtroom and there's 
anywhere between 20 and 40 of you that get brought down to the courtroom. And, and like I said, the, the process may be a little different right now, being that we're still in COVID protocols and civil trials aren't really happening here in Hillsborough County. So I can't really speak to how how the jury selection process is being done. I know criminal trials are being done. So there actually may be some of you out there listening who know a little bit better how they're handling it with COVID. I'm talking about the regular general process of it. So be that as it may, everybody goes to the courtroom and you get a big mass of 20 to 40 people in there. Now, what's going on in between all that time? So when your name's getting called, okay, you've already filled out a sheet that tells really everything about you. It gives name, uh, I believe it gives the address, date of birth, whether you're married or single, what your occupation is, what your spouse's occupation is. Uh, it gives it gives kind of a, a little snapshot of who you are. And, and you may look and you go, well, why? Why is that important? Well, what's going on behind the scenes that you can't see is that we're in the courtroom already, right? And we're getting ready for trial. And prior to us ever getting there, right? One of two things have happened. Either we've sat down as an office and looked at the case and looked at our client and looked at the defendant and looked at all of the facts and said, this is what our ideal juror is. Okay. Or if it's a big enough case, we've had a jury consultant come in and goes, this is what your ideal juror is. And, and there's actually a third kind of hybrid of it is you get a focus group, right? Maybe you use a uh, uh, students from a local college, right? Um, I remember seeing that pop up every once in a while in law school. You buy them pizza and everybody's happy, right? <laughs> um, pizza goes a long way with college kids. But anyway, so you start to figure out and you start to piece together, who do I want on this jury, right? And and it, it, it there's, I suppose there's not a politically correct way to explain jury selection and what you want in an ideal juror, Right. Um, because each case has a lot of different factors and a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. Okay. So, you know, you have, you may say, I would prefer to have an all female jury. I'd prefer to have an all male jury. I'd prefer to have all white collar workers, all blue collar workers. Uh, sometimes you even get even, even deeper, right? Sometimes you go, okay, well, uh, I want teachers or teachers would be bad for us to have. Right. And it just, it all depends on the facts. Okay. Um, you know, I can tell you just kind of thinking through a couple that a couple of jury selections that stand out in my head. Uh, we had a, a DUI case. Okay. And one of the things that we were looking for is people who were okay with having one or two drinks at some point in the night before driving a car. Right now, there's not really a, a profile, if you will, for that, but that one stands out because, we literally had an entire panel that goes, it is never okay to have any amount of drinks and after any amount of time period in a night and drive. And, and some of it, some of it kind of bucks science, right? Because science says if you have one drink, one drink metabolizes approximately every hour, which means that you have one drink, you wait an hour and essentially your blood alcohol content is zero. Now look, that's, that's kind of perfect world scenario, scenario. Um, think science lab, but be that as it may, you can pretty well rest assured if you have one drink and you finish that drink and you wait an hour, you're not above the legal limit. You're not even close to the legal limit. Okay. So that's what, that's what you look for. Um, another one that stands out was I had a criminal case that, um, 
you know, the, the guy was charged with child abuse. It was really a misplaced charge. It really was. And it, you may sit there and think, wow, how, you know, of course he's going to say that because he's the guy's lawyer, right? Well, and I think I mentioned it before. They were racing go-karts. It was an adult league. They both had helmets on. And the, we don't know who actually started the fight, whether it was our client or the victim or the alleged victim. But, you know, it. the statute says that doesn't matter. The statute says it doesn't matter that you know how old the person is. Okay. But we looked at that and we said, teachers, anybody who has an occupation of a teacher would be bad for us. Right, because it's more likely that somebody who is fulfilling the role of teacher is going to side more with a 15-year-old than they are with a 20-plus-year-old. Okay, and, and that's some of the thought process. So that's what we're looking into. So as the jury's going into that room or, or getting called to go into the courtroom, that's what's going on. We we get a big sheet of paper from the court, and we get the stack of all the demographic information that you filled out. And we're, number one, we have to put all of you on that big sheet of paper in the right locations, right? So everybody has a predetermined spot that they're going to sit in the jury box before they get there. And, you know, little tidbit, you want to be, if you want to get out of jury duty, right? Now, I'm not encouraging anybody to get out of jury duty. I can tell you I've been in the process a couple of times. And the most recent time, I actually got all the way through and sat through the voir dire process. I actually knew both attorneys and they, I still had to sit all the way through. It, look, it would be bad for me to sit th- to be on a jury with with knowing both attorneys, right? One, I, one with the defense attorney I've actually argued cases against. Uh, I would say that I would give it my best to 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 act fairly and impartially, but you know, deep down, we're human beings, and it would be really hard to really ensure that against somebody who you've gone head to head against, really, in some big cases, right? So, needless to say, I didn't make it on that jury, but it's really interesting. You can hear a lot going on uh, as you're sitting in that jury box of how people really feel about cases. But anyway, we digress slightly. Um, so we're putting all of that in. And, and the, the deeper you are in line, right? If, you're, if there's a 20-person jury pool and you're person 20, you can feel pretty good that you're probably not going to get picked. So how it works is they'll seat you from one all the way through to 20, and they'll, they'll kind of snake it, right? So Generally speaking, you start on the left, person one, and depending on how many seats there are in the row, so if there's five seats, right, person one's on the left, person's, person five is on the right, and then the next row, person uh, number six is on the left, all the way through, and so on, right? Well, juries are generally made up, and this is, this is for the most part, okay? Six jurors plus one alternate. Every once in a while, you'll get two alternates, so the first seven people are most at risk for being picked because as we're doing jury selection, we don't get to just randomly pick and go, yeah, we want uh, juror number 18. Okay, good. We got him. All right. Uh, we want juror number 16. All right, good. We got her, right? It's not how it works. You, if no one ever challenges anything, your first seven people would be your jurors, right? So all things considered, you walk in the door, everybody sits down, and you know, we ask questions, the defense asks questions, and we all go, hey, we're good. Now, truth be told, I don't think you're ever going to see that happen, right? But if you did, those first seven would be your jurors, okay? So that's that's how that generally works. So 
Then what happens? So we've taken those sheets of paper. We know a little bit about you, at least in terms of what we can, what we have on paper. We don't know what your thought process is. So we can't argue our case during voir dire, right? During jury selection, we can't, we can't put into play how we want the jury to rule, but we always try to toe the line of getting as much information out there as possible, right? At least from a hypothetical standpoint on the case to get an understanding of what you as a juror are going to do, okay? That's really kind of an important thing because, you know, I, I've seen it before. I've been in, in, in voir dire and jury selections and, and you know, I, I worked with, when I was at my old firm, we had a trial team of myself and one of the partners and, you know, he... He was a whiz at voir dire. I mean, it was just you would watch him go and and you could take a case with really bad facts and all of a sudden you start seeing him put things out there and putting thoughts out there and you can start picking out the jurors that they thought one thing in the beginning and all of a sudden their mindset changes as they're going through and as you're going through this selection process. We haven't even really started trial yet. So it's, it's really an important time to get that understanding. Now, what happens is, is we get each side, each, so put it like this, if there are, if there's one plaintiff and one defendant, generally speaking, each side gets three preemptive challenges, which means you can go, I don't want juror number one, don't want juror number two, I don't want juror number four, done, okay? You can't challenge it, the only thing you can't do is it can't be discriminatory, now, they say that, right? That's in the rules. If you can't question why I struck a juror out of those three, how do you really determine whether it was discriminatory or not? I don't know. I've yet to come up with an answer for that, but I, I get three, they get three, and we move on. Now, if there's one plaintiff and two defendants, each defendant gets three, I would get six, okay? My original three plus the second three from the second defendant because you have to be fair. Court is generally about being equitable and fair, okay? So I could go, I don't want one, three, five, seven, nine, and 12, right? All right, so those are your preemptive challenges. That You just get those, there's no questions asked, but you're going through and you're trying to figure out can this person be impartial? Can that person be impartial? You know, maybe somebody has a bias, right? And you're trying to trying to sift that out. And if you're on the good side of the bias, meaning that that bias helps you, right? You're just saying, hey, uh, you know, despite this bias, could could you act fairly, right? Goes, yes, I can. All right, great. You've cleaned that bias up. But me on the other side, if I'm on the negative side of that bias. I'm trying to destroy that. I'm trying to play that bias up. I need to show that you can't get past that bias, that you can't act fairly, even if you have a duty to do so, which is what the court will tell you to do, that you have a duty to do that, right? And and that's a lot of the back and forth. That's the questioning. We want to know what people's biases are. We want to know like that DUI trial that you're not okay. I don't care if you had a drink at 8 a.m. You go drive your car at 8 p.m., you were driving drunk. I mean, that is really almost how that jury was. You want to know that. You want to parse out that thought process because how do you get a fair trial when, hey, any bit of science tells you if you have one drink at 8 a.m. and you drive a car at 8 p.m., your blood alcohol content is going to be zero, 
right? I, I, there's not many guarantees in life, but I can't find anything that would say it would be anything other than zero. Okay. So you want to, you want to pull those things out, right? You want to pull out that bias of, Hey, everybody who's been in a car crash and says that they're hurt, that they're lying. You want to pull that bias out, right? You want to know what that person's thinking on the flip side of it. I want that person on the jury that's been in a car crash, that's been severely hurt in a car crash. It, even better if it's been minimal property damage and they've been severely hurt. Because when I walk in with a big car crash and big damages, right, I know I can. I know that that person is going to understand, and I hope that that person is strong enough to sway the rest of the jury. So that's another piece that we're looking at. We're looking at okay, can we pick people? who are strong enough in their beliefs and outspoken enough and not, you know, uh, like that, that car guy, it's huge, right? Not outspoken like that, but outspoken enough that they're not, uh, introverted, that they, that they can get out there and speak to the other jurors when they're in the jury room, right? To get them to understand what it means to get them to understand what it means to have been in a car crash, right? To get them to understand what it means to have major injuries, even though you may not be able to see them. Because most of the stuff is going on internally. Very few cases that you walk into the door with in court in a car crash, can you, can you visibly see the injuries anymore, right? Mostly, be, partially, it's because you know, we're, if we're going to trial, we're generally two years from the date of the crash, roughly, okay? Most of that stuff, hey, if you had a broken arm, you're not in a cast for two years, okay? Yeah, we get pictures, but it's, it's not the same, right? You're, you're, you're looking at somebody who most likely at the point in time that we're in trial looks generally okay. So that's why you want to pull those biases out. You want to pull that thought process out, right? It, you know, you, you don't want that insurance adjuster who works for one of the big insurance companies. You don't want that person on the jury, right? You just don't. And, and even if they say they don't have a bias, you don't want them in there telling the jury room, Hey, this is what I see on an everyday basis. And hey, all plaintiffs are liars. It's not the case, right? So that's what you're looking at. It's, it's an opportunity to dive into what's in somebody's head. And it's kind of, kind of creepy when you think about it from a sense. But from the lawyer sense, man, it's kind of fun. It really is. It's really fun to ask those questions, to get those pieces pulled out. And there's, there's been books and books and, and consultants that charge... Oh, five hundred, a thousand dollars an hour that will tell you what to ask and how to do it and, and who you're looking for, right? And it's really kind of an amazing thing when you think about it because those six people, six plus your alternate, determine the fate of your case. Now, look, in a civil case, it's about money. In a criminal case, it's about somebody's life and liberty. I've done both. I would say that, you know, the, the sitting there as you're waiting for the jury to come back, you're, for those six people that you picked to be your jury to come back, it's really nerve-wracking. It's a little, little less nerve-wracking on the, in, the civil, the, in the civil side of things because, hey, look, money's money, but, you know, you've made a big investment in the case. So you've, not, you've invested time and money, and, hey, I want to win every single one. You're not going to, but I want to. I want to win every single case that's out there. And it all starts with jury selection. And it all starts with those sheets of paper that we get that tell us all about you, or at least name, age, address, occupation, marital status, that type of stuff, right? That's where we start 
and then our questions, right, really kind of seal it up. Now, some of those questions will be to the group as a whole, and we'll go, hey, raise your hand if, raise your hand if you've ever been in a car crash. Boom, you get people to raise their hand. Now you can dial in your specific questions, right? Hey, Johnny, I saw you raise your hand that you were in a car crash. Can you tell me a little bit? Were you hurt in that car crash? Was it your fault, right? Okay, it wasn't your fault. How do you feel about people? Did, Did the person who you hit sue you? How do you feel about people like that, right? You start to get an understanding. And you hope that people are going to tell the truth. And for the most part, if it's something that they think will get them out of jury duty, they'll do it, right? So we talked about the questions and we talked about the preemptive challenges, right? But we also get challenges for cause. And those are cool because we get a chance to argue, right? So now we've asked you all these questions, right? All the jurors, right? And, and all of this happens after we've asked all the questions. So the jury's sitting there and we've done all the questions, this, that, the other, and and gone through it. And we do our preemptive challenges first. We start whittling the pool down um, because there's no sense fighting over a juror that you're going to be able to, to get out with a challenge for cause, right? So um, we're going to do our, our preemptive challenges and, uh, excuse me, our, our challenges for cause. And we're going to tell the judge, Hey, uh, juror number one was sued by the person who, who hit him. And, uh, he came right out and said, all people who say they're hurt in a car crash are lying. We're going to say he should be stricken. And, you know, most likely the defense is going to ask that person, Hey, do you think you could be fair and act impartially if the judge tells you to do so? Most likely going to go, Yes. And then we're going to fight back and forth with the judge. Well, well, the the us and the defendant or the defense are going to fight back and forth, and the judge and not physically fight. We're going to argue back and forth, and the judge is going to decide. Hey, yeah, you know what? I don't think that person can put that bias aside. That bias was really very strong. That you know, plus they have a really personal experience. So juror number one is stricken. Then you move to two, right? And the judge will go any problems with number two? No, your honor. Number two is fine. Number two's in, right? And we move all down the line, and that process continues all the way through the end. So anyway, that is Wadir. That is jury selection. I encourage you, if you ever get selected for a jury duty, do it. it you, you know what? You'll learn something about the court process. It's actually kind of interesting. It really is. So it may seem burdensome, but you know what? Take the opportunity. Uh, it's really neat inside look to the court system and what we do on a daily basis. So, you know, like I said, if you get selected, take a look and know that this is what's going on in the background. If you have any questions about jury selection or really any part of the court process, I'm always happy to talk to any of you, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on Instagram live, okay, or just following us on social media, which you can find it at the law father at law father, depending. Okay. Um, But anyway, take a look at those things. Send me a DM, send me a text message to 855-LAWFATHER. Email me at lawfather at tampalawfather.com. You can reach me in any way. I love talking about this stuff. I'd be more than happy to talk to any of you one-on-one if you want any more information on this. But anyway, it's Lawfather Podcast right here from Lawfather Studios. Lawfather, out.